And I'm going to welcome all of our online guests. Thank you. You guys made it. We're in the last week of a series that we called The Beloved. We started in Hosea, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Now we're ending in Ephesians. Uh, but we're on the last week, which I can't believe. I can't believe we're almost going into summer. So uh, today we're going to close out that series. So uh, just a reminder, we do take an offering every single week. Uh, this helps us pay for childcare. It helps us pay for the tech and those cute little books that we give out. It pays for those too. So thank you so much. So if you want to drop a hundred or five hundred in there, thank you. Um, no, no, no. Thank you so much, though, for your generosity. It really helps make a difference in our ministry. So thank you for that. Uh, your leaders will pass those around. Um, I have an exciting announcement. This summer, every summer, we do either a book club or we read through a book. We are going to be reading through the Book of Proverbs this summer as a community. So we're going to do summer in the Proverbs. Uh, and for those of you who haven't joined us before, what this means is we do a 60-day reading plan. We start June 15th, and we go all the way till August 15th, and it's a way for us to be in God's Word together, to hold each other accountable, to stay committed and grounded in our faith when summer wants to pull us in a million different directions. It brings us back to God's truth and God's Word, and so you can sign up for that. Uh, what happens when you sign up is we will email you a copy of the reading plan. You can opt in for weekly email devotion which will be written by women in our community. And then we always have optional six-week groups uh, that meet at random times, random places throughout the summer. So if you're somebody that's like, yeah, I want that community in the summer, there will be a list of groups on our websites you can choose from. And some of you are like, no, I, I'm too busy in the summer. I need to rest. Uh, join the reading plan, Being God's Word, but you can do that independently on your own. So all those options will be available to you. We'll send an email, uh, but you can sign up today. The link is open if you want to be on the mailing list and participate with us June 15th to August 15th. We're doing summer in the Proverbs. Um, and last but not least, I want to just take a moment to thank the leaders among us. If you are a leader, can you just raise your hand? It is, can we give them a round of applause, leaders online too? It's no small thing to lead a Bible study group for a whole year and to hold the hearts the lives, the prayer requests of your women. Uh, so we just want to thank you. We want to thank you for leaning in, for being faithful, for showing up. We have a small gift for you. So when you bring back uh, your name tag and offering at the end of the day, uh, we'll just have a small gift for you to just say thank you. Thanks for being faithful and thanks for being here and among us. We're grateful for you. So thank you for that. Um, before we start, I'm going to pray. So if you bow your heads with me and just invite Jesus into the space. Lord, we thank you that you are the God of love, Father. You authored it, you wrote it, and Lord, we need more of it in our lives, God. And so I pray that you'd enter this space, pray that you'd enter our hearts, pray that you'd minister to us this morning in a way that only you can, because you are good, you are powerful, you are all-knowing, and you're faithful, Father. So we invite you to speak a fresh word to us today. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen, amen. Um, so I've titled this last talk, we're diving into Ephesians 6, I've titled it, Love is a Battlefield. Because the reality is, I think sometimes you and I tend to think that love is easy, right? That's the way it's painted on the movies, that's the way the songs make it sound. Sometimes we think when we become Christians, uh, we're gonna like be Christians, we're gonna get saved, and then we're just gonna float on clouds. And it's gonna be like easy to love our tricky neighbor. And it's, we're gonna be so gracious with our kids. And we're, we just think like something's gonna befall us, that it's like, oh, 
I'm just so loving and so easy. No, 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 no. Love is not easy. Love is not feeling. Love, love is work. And there is an enemy who is real, whose primary job in all the earth is to keep you from the love of God. That is the enemy's main tactic, to keep you from God's love. And so he does that by lying to us. He does that by distorting our self-image, body image. He does that by making enemies with friends. He does that by stirring up greed in us. Satan's main goal is to keep you from the love of God because the love of God is what you need. It's what you were created for. It's what Jesus died for to give you that love. So Satan's main goal is to take you out of that love. And so when we think about love, it's not something that just comes over us. It's not something we just wake up and feel and we float. Love is something we have to fight for. We have to fight to remember that Jesus loves us. We have an enemy who's coming against us and we have to battle it because it doesn't just fall on us. We have to stand our ground in the truth that we're loved and we have to know that Satan's coming after that. That is not something he's just gonna give us. I'm like, oh yeah, you're loved, just live in peace. No, no, Satan's gonna get into our minds, our hearts, our relationships in any way he can to mess that up. So we have to remember that love is a battlefield. And so when we look at the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians are about the gospel. They're about what Jesus did in love for us. And because of what he did, he seated us at the right hand of the Father. And we are positioned and seated in the love of Christ. And then the second two chapters, we talked about how to walk out that love, what it looks like to be unified with one another, what it looks like to be submissive in love with trust and respect. How do you walk out the love of God? And today we're gonna close on figuring out how we stand in the love of God. And I don't know where you're coming in from today. I know some of you are going through big battles, big things that are going on in your families, your lives, and you are fighting with all your life. And some of us might be in an easier season where it feels like, well, I don't, I don't really think I'm battling much. I think I'm pretty good. I'm doing okay. I don't know where you are, but what I do know is that there is an active enemy who is seeking to destroy your life and your relationships and your family and your friends. And you have the God of the universe who loves you so much that he would do anything to make you know his love, to live in his love love, to give you the freedom of his love. And so we're going to do battle today to stand, to stay firm in the love of Christ. Because our whole series all year was called the Beloved Series. And we talked about, we started in Hosea and we went through how God loves us. Even in our unfaithfulness, he pursues us. He seeks after us and he fights for us. That's a God that we serve. We have a God who fights for us to know that we're loved. And our part in that is to battle battle against the lies and to receive that love. And so we're going to dive in today. We're going to go through three things that I think Paul teaches us about fighting this fight well, because love, it's on the line. It's a battlefield. If we don't fight for it, we don't get it. We don't get the peace. We don't get the comfort. We don't get the security. We don't get the identity that Jesus already died to give us. And so I want us to be people that fight because it's worth fighting for. It's worth what Jesus died to give us. Uh, so we're going to start in Ephesians 6 uh, verses 1 through 9. It says this, uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. I love that. That commandment comes with a promise. When you do that, it will go well with you. And then verse four says fathers, which other verses uh, will say parents. Parents, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. 
And in verse five, we jump down. I'm gonna switch out that word slaves uh, because I think in our context today, it makes more sense to use employees and bosses. Employees, obey your earthly bosses with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as employees of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord and not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are an employee or not employed. And masters, bosses, treat your employees in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he, who is both their master and yours, is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. So the first thing we see today, if we're gonna fight, love is a battlefield, how do we fight? You gotta know your position in the battle. You gotta know what proper relationships look like. You see, when God created the earth, he established authority and rules and lines that make things go well. And Jill did a great job talking about this last week, how women are called to submit to their husbands, respect their husbands in the same way that men are called to love and submit to their wives in different ways. They look different, two genders, different, equal. Um, but we talked about how God sets up all of our relationships so that it will go well for us. There's instructions for children, and I happen to know that all of you have parents. All of you do. There's no one here that's like, that's not for me. Coley's talking to someone else. I'm talking to you. Children, honor your parents so that it may go well. And I wonder how many moms heard that and thought, like, I got to bring my kid here so they can hear Coley because they got to honor me. No, 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 no. It starts with us. We have parents that we need to honor, regardless of if they are believers, regardless if they're followers, regardless if they're good people or bad people. It doesn't say, there's no exception. God says, honor your father and your mother so that it will go well with you. That's the proper form of the relationship that God took. And then he said it again. He said, parents, do not exasperate your children. Don't put unnecessary heaviness on them. Don't project all your stuff onto them. Love them. Don't put too much of a burden on them. That's the proper relationship for parents. And then they talk about employees and bosses. Work as if you're working for the Lord and not just your boss. Do what's right always. And bosses, don't be too hard on your employees. Don't threaten them. Don't take away life. You see, we need to know what our position in the battle is. Otherwise, things don't work. Uh, I played sports most of my life, and so in every sport, you always have, like, roles or you have, you know, like, your position. Like, when I played basketball, I was, like, a shooter on the outside. And, like, if I missed my position, the play didn't work right? Like if I missed my post, the pick would happen, the roll would come, the bounce would come, and it, it would go to the opposite teammate. We need to know what our proper position is in the battle. Otherwise, it will not go well with us. It does not give us good, firm foundation if we're not properly aligned with people the way the Lord calls us and desires to. So you can fight it. You can be dishonoring to your parents. You can exasperate your kids. You can be rude to your boss. You can overwork your employees. But what happens is the, the puzzle pieces don't fit. It doesn't go well. And we've all experienced this. It's like you kind of, you get wobbly and you get taken out when you're not grounded in your position. God blesses authority. He blesses proper relationships. So when you put yourself in the posture to be in right relationships with people, it will go well with you because God is for you and he's in those relationships. And so I wonder today, when you're thinking about this concept that love is a battlefield, it's something we have to fight for, where do you need to realign a relationship? 
Where are you not in proper position the way that the Lord's asked you to? Is there anywhere that you need to reframe your heart towards somebody? Is there any way you need to honor somebody maybe that's, that you have not been honoring? Is there any way that you need to reposition yourself so that God's love can flow through you? Because when we're not properly aligned, it's like when you put the funnel over the cup, you just, you miss the whole cup if you miss it. You gotta be in line to receive the love of Jesus. Where do you need to realign your relationships in retros in respect to somebody else so that it may go well with you, so that you may be postured for battle when it comes? Where do you need to reposition yourself today? We're gonna continue on Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Paul says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I want to read that first part of verse 12 for you again. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against people. I remember reading this in college and it blew my mind. Because you and I, when we think of our conflicts and people that we have problems with and the struggles we go through and the relational pain, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the spiritual authorities. It's against darkness that is ruling in our life and someone else's life. Our problem is not the person that hurt us. Our problem is the enemy that's coming after that person and all the stuff that's been done to them and all the stuff that they project onto us. There is an enemy who is real, who seeks to kill and destroy lives. There's a real enemy. We do have somebody that we need to battle against and it's not the person sitting across from us because that person sitting across from us for the most part, is doing their best. They've been through stuff, they've been hurt, they're broken, the enemy's coming after them just as hard as he's coming after you. They're living in lies, they're living in pain, they've been traumatized. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It is against the spiritual forces of darkness in the heavenly realms. It's something to reframe today. So this is what he says, verse 13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. That's the goal of love, is that we don't get knocked out, taken out, disconnected from people, disconnected from God, isolated. We want to stand firm in who God made us and what he's called us to do. So this is what he says, verse 14, it says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Remember, he's in prison. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So point number one was that we need to be properly aligned in the battle. Point number two is you have to know the weapons you have and you have to use it in battle. You have to. 
We can't be naive and innocent and think, oh, I'm, I'm good, I'm, I'm not a threat to Satan, I'm fine, I feel, I feel loving towards people. No, the, the enemy is too real and too dangerous for us to not put on the armor and not use the weapons God's given us. Um, I remember one of the first credit cards I got, um, it came with like, I got it in the mail, I felt so adult, I was like, I'm awesome, I can now spend money that I don't have, um, all those things, so I got it out and I read the little brochure, because it was like a new credit card holder, I wanted to be educated, I wanted to be aware, um, but what happened is as I was reading that credit card thing, it, was, it listed all these little perks and benefits. So I'm reading it. I'm like, if I go to that restaurant, five times the points, what? This is crazy. I found out that I get a free airline pass into like lounges. So now when I go to the airports that have them, I don't pay for airport food. I found out that I get free miles for certain things. If I go trips, I can book miles and save them for free travel. I realized that it had all these rewards. Had I not read the manual, I would have just thought, Penny for penny, like I would just use it as a normal card, but instead I read the manual and I realized I can expand my points, my privileges, my service, and I've been using it to the glory of the Lord. <laughs> I'm a really good credit card user, so. <laughs> this is what Paul is talking about. He's saying, he's giving us the manual. He's saying you have all these tools at your disposal. Don't be naive. Don't not read the book. Don't go into battle thinking it's, it's just a credit card to use for normal stuff. Oh, it's, it's fine. I, I got this on my own. No, you have been given weapons and authority and things to protect you, things to protect your loved ones, and we have to activate them. Otherwise, they are lost and they are not utilized. And so I'm going to read through what the full armor of God is, and I want you to ask the Lord as I'm reading this, What's an area that maybe you feel great in? Like, oh, that is a tool that I use often. And what's a tool that you thought, oh man, I've never even prayed how to use that weapon and I never thought I needed to use that weapon. Ask the Lord to reveal that to you as we go through the armor. So the first one is the belt of truth. Uh, John 8.32 says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, truth sets us free and Satan's greatest, uh, I think, offense against us is to confuse and muddle the truth for us. And so if he can get us off course of what's true, especially about us, if we start thinking that we're not worthy, that we're not good enough, that we're too much, that we're just, we're never going to make it. If he can start getting us to doubt, Satan's already won. And so Jesus, Jesus gives us the belt of truth. Go back to what is true. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You have a God who sent his own son to die for you. You are loved. I think that's one of the biggest enemies that Satan uses with women is he'll attack whether or not we are lovable enough, whether or not we're worthy enough, whether or not we're valuable enough. And we do all kinds of crazy things as women to earn that love, to get that love, to feel loved. God's saying go back to the truth. The truth is that you are loved and Satan will use everything he can in his power to tell you you're not loved. Don't believe it, go back to the truth. I've already told you, I wouldn't have died on the cross for you if I didn't love you. You are loved. Where do you need to apply the belt of truth in your life? Where are you letting Satan's lies get you off course? Come back to the belt of truth. The second tool we have, or the weapon, is the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This righteousness, we cannot earn it. You and I will never be right on our own, but because of Jesus, 
when we receive him, he covers us with his righteousness. When God looks at you and me and we have Jesus in us, he sees Jesus. He sees perfection. He doesn't see the gossip you talked yesterday. He doesn't see the person that betrayed you or you betrayed a week ago. He doesn't see the mistakes of your path. He sees righteousness. You see, you and I cannot be good enough in and of ourselves. We can't be perfect. As hard as we can try, and some of us try really, really hard, we cannot be righteous apart from Christ. And Satan will use that against us. He'll say, well, you messed up last week. There's no way you can do that. You can't be in leadership. If anyone knew the things you've done, you can't, you don't have any authority to pray for your kids like that. He'll come at our righteousness and we say, no, 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 no. It's not about me, it's about what Jesus did. We put on Jesus' righteousness and that is our breastplate. That's what protects our heart. When Satan wants to condemn us, we say, no, not because of me, because of Jesus. Where do you need to put on Christ's righteousness instead of trying to earn your own or be good enough? Because we can't, only Christ is enough. The third point is feet fitted with the gospel of peace. Uh, John 14, 27, this is Jesus talking. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You and I get the peace of the gospel. How many of us are living day to day in deep anxiety? We're living in an anxious culture an anxious time, an anxious world, with the news streams going, people posting all the time on social media, there is anxiety, fear, despair. There's all these things that want to come after you. And Jesus says, no, I've made your feet fitted with the peace of the gospel. You are planted in the good news of Jesus. Don't let the enemy throw you off course. Don't let your anxieties go out of control. Come back to the root that you are established and rooted in Christ, that I did it, and be ready to share that with other people. Because you're gonna come up against all kind of people on a day-to-day basis that just wanna heap their anxieties on you, their fear. We have to be ready and rooted in peace to say, hey, it's gonna be okay. Jesus is with you. Jesus has got this. Jesus hasn't forgotten you. We have to be examples of peace. That's one of the weapons he gives us. So if you have been running this week, if you've been chaotic, step back into those shoes of peace. Let the Lord remind you, you are rooted in peace because of Jesus. That was the parting gift he gave to his disciples. My peace I leave with you. That peace is yours and that peace is mine. And we have to rule and live and walk out of that peace and not let Satan get us off course on anxiety. So those are the fitted feet of the gospel of peace. The next weapon is the shield of faith. Uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This one's really challenged me lately because I like to know what's coming up. I want to know. I want to be in control of it. I want to trust myself. I want to feel like, I got this, I got this. Uh, and that's not what faith is. Faith is trusting God with the unknown. It's trusting him for the future. It's trusting him for that relationship. You don't, you don't know where it's gonna go. It's acknowledging that we are not God, but faith is recognizing that our God is even bigger and better and more in control than we'll ever be. This one is not easy, but there will be so many things day to day in your life that you cannot, you cannot know where it's going. You can't know where the, where the shoe's gonna fall, where the card's gonna land. That's where God calls us to have faith. Trust in me, he says. Don't trust in yourself. Do not trust in your circumstances. Do not trust in your intuition or feelings. 
that this is a word for me. Don't tr- they're not reliable, they're not true. Trust, have faith that because who God is, he will see you through, he will deliver. Where are you putting your trust? Where do you need to have faith to take the next step, even though you don't know where it's gonna go and you don't know where it's gonna land? Where do you need to put your trust in God and not in yourself? The next one is the helmet of salvation. Uh, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is where we remind ourselves, this is our thinking center, we remind ourselves that we do not save ourselves and we cannot save others. We cannot fix others. We cannot change them. We cannot deliver ourselves. We can't even man-make ourselves. We can try, but it doesn't work. God, you have to put this in your mind. That's what the helmet is to remind you that God saves. God delivers. He's the one that does it. And Satan will want to throw you off course in a thousand different ways and make you think you're responsible for your own life and you got to fix your kids' lives and you got to change your husband. Uh-uh, uh-uh. No, no, The helmet of salvation reminds us I'm a sinner saved by grace and God's given me an inheritance I don't deserve. And for that, I'm so thankful. God does it. We don't. Where do you need the helmet of salvation to remind you of a situation in your life that he's the savior, we're not the saviors. And the last one is the sword of the spirit, the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, Ooh, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. God's word, ladies, sets us free. God's word is ultimately what we need. It's the answers we're looking for everywhere else, sometimes besides the word. Our hope and prayer for you in this season was that as you read the book of Ephesians, you would hear God speaking to you, that that word would be alive and active. It would mold itself in the way, form, and shape you needed it, and that God would speak to you through his word. God's word never fails. It never returns void. It always produces life. So when we're running around looking at Pinterest and reading blogs and calling a neighbor, when we're trying to figure out how to fix our lives, God's saying, come back to the word. Come back to what's true. And for anyone who's ever memorized scripture, you, you'll know this. If you've memorized scripture, if it's in your heart, when, you, when stuff hits the ceiling, the fan, you know, you know what I'm saying? When stuff gets hard, if you've memorized scripture, you'll be amazed how it bubbles up at the right moment. When you're about to lose your mind, that word will save you. It's our offense. It is what we use when Satan comes at us. When circumstances are out of control, when you're losing it, you bring out that sword of the spirit, you bring out the word of God, and you declare what is true. The truth will set you free. Where do you need the word of God to be in your battle? Where are you getting taken out by lies? Where do you feel powerless that God's like, no, no, I actually have already given you a promise for that. Just go back to the word, remind yourself of it. If Satan comes against you and says, whatever, you're ugly, you say, no, I'm beautiful. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I am made in the image of God. I'm a daughter of the king. You bring out that word and you combat the lie. It is our offense. The word of God is powerful. And we know this, but we ho- our hope and prayer in Ephesians is that you would chew on that and experience that for yourself. That if God gives you a word for the week, you just hold on to that and you use that in whatever battle comes up. You bring your mind back to it. And then this last one is not, it's not one of the weapons, it's what holds all the weapons together. And that's prayer. 
Uh, 1 John 5, 14 through 15 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Ladies, you and I have a direct line to the big guy. You know how hard it is to get that like red phone where you call the president? No, it's, I try to, try to contact the president today. Let me know if you get through. It's impossible. But our God, the God of the universe, we have a direct line to him. And so no matter what we're going through, how hard it is, we pray. We pray in every way. We pray in every occasion. And what this does is this helps us put the armor back on. It is our armor. Prayer is our defense line with the Lord. So when things get hard, instead of calling a girlfriend, instead of complaining, instead of freaking out, your, our knee-jerk response when we're training ourselves has got to be prayer. Shoot it up to God. Let him know what you need. Talk to him. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to hear your voice and he wants you to hear his voice. Prayer is a gift that God gives us. And he says, pray in all occasions and all kinds of prayers and all kinds of requests. We're ladies, we got a lot of needs. There's a lot of things we want. Shoot them up to the Father. He cares about you, he cares about your heart. He cares that you want those white shoes that Jill talked about last week. He cares for you. He knows you better than you know yourself. You don't have to pretend with God. It's not like you're like, I can't tell God about the white shoes because I bought the black shoes last week. He's like, I know you want the white shoes. Talk to him. Let him know what you need. Because in doing that, the beauty of our Lord is that when you open the conversation, God can redirect our hearts and say, hey, not this week, not, no white shoes this week, or let's go get the white shoes after Bible study. You know, like God <laughs> loves you. God loves me. God loves us. He wants what's best for us. And he knows if the white shoes are the right thing or not. And we just give it to him. We say, if this is what you want, praise the Lord. If this isn't what you want, praise the Lord. But we invite him into that. Invite him into every single one of your battles. He wants to do life with you. He is for you. He is the, he's the rock in our battle that we got to come back to and we got to stand on firmly. And so Paul closes out with this. He says, uh, Titius, uh, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am doing and what I'm doing. Remember, he's in prison writing. Uh, he says, I'm sending this to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. And this is how he closes the whole book, which I love. Uh, Paul says, peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. And the third point today is that undying love is the ultimate goal. Don't lose the vision or you will get lost in the battle. Undying love is the ultimate goal. Don't lose the vision or you will get lost in the battle. That's what Paul imparts to them. He says, your undying love in Jesus. You see, we don't, we don't just fight to fight. We're not fighting to spin our wheels. We're fighting because there is an undying love that Jesus has for us. And oh, when we get in that undying love for him, what he can do in our lives. It restores our minds. It restores our hearts. It restores our families. It's worth fighting to get into that undying love with. Don't lose the vision. Through Jesus Christ, everything and anything is possible in his love. His love will do more radical things than you and I could ever, ever even dream or hope of doing on our own. His love changes everything. Fight 
to get in that love. Fight not to forget that love. Fight to remove barriers, sin, anything that will keep you from it. There's this parable in the Bible, it says a man found a pearl and bought the whole, sold everything and bought the field so that he could get the pearl. That's Jesus' love. It's, it's worth selling everything for. It's worth putting things behind you to pursue the love of Christ because it's the only thing in the world that will satisfy us and satiate us and it's part of our God-given identity. God says you are beloved. You are made in love, you're established in love, you're rooted in love, so live in love. But we have to fight for that because the enemy would love to make us believe that we're unlovable, we're not worthy, we're not good enough, and we'll never get there. That's lies from the enemy. You are loved in Jesus Christ. And so one of the ways we're gonna close today is I want us, uh, part of standing firm, something that helps me in my faith is that sometimes storms come and it feels like it's just gonna knock you off. So I don't know if you're going through big storms, small storms, what helps me is when I go through this, is to remember all the times God has been faithful. And when I look back, I can see all the times where I didn't think he was gonna deliver, I didn't think he was gonna show up, I wasn't sure if I was gonna make it. And when I look back, I remember, oh, God did that. Oh, that's how he showed up. Oh, that's how he saved me. Oh, that's how he rescued my friend. When we remember, it ferments our feet in the ground, it puts our feet back on the rock, and so, what I'm gonna invite you to do, we made little um, reflection cards for you. I'm gonna invite you to pull one of those out. Uh, and what I wanna do is I wanna pray for us and then I wanna give you a few minutes just to invite God to remind you what he's done in this Bible study. If you've only come to one, great. Easy memory, did you learn something today? But if you've been with us for the last year, starting with Hosea, going through first, second, and third John, and now today in Ephesians, I want you to invite the Lord and just ask the Spirit to stir up in you what he wants you to remember. Where did you see God be faithful? Uh, if you're like me and you have a bad memory, this might feel like overwhelming, like, oh, I, don't, I can't remember all that. It's okay, just submit it to the Lord. Say, God, can you just bring one thing to mind? I don't even remember the fall. What did I learn about you this fall? Remind me. So I'm gonna pray for us and then I'm gonna give you two minutes to sit with the Lord to ask him to reveal ways he's been faithful to you. And whenever you get it, for some of you it might come in 10 seconds, for some it might take a while, it's okay. Whenever you get it, just write something down because what we realize is that this builds our faith when we hear the testimonies of others, when we know what God's done. And I don't want anyone to leave today not remembering and honoring what the Lord's done in your life because I do believe he's been at work in us. So let me pray and then I'm gonna give you a few minutes of silence to fill that out. So Lord, God, we thank you that you're faithful, God, that your love is a firm foundation that we can root our lives upon. And so, Lord, right now, I, just, I invite the Holy Spirit to stir in each of us, Lord. Would you remind us what you've done in this past year? Would you remind us of verses you gave us, prayers women in our group prayed for us, conversations that we have that reframed things? Would you remind us of your faithfulness and what you want us to remember leaving Bible study this session and heading into the summer. Would you speak to us now in Jesus' name? Jesus, we thank you for all the ways that you continue to be faithful to us, God. Lord, you do these little tender works in our hearts that we need so badly, Father. So I thank you I thank you that you love us enough to come down and fight for us and fight with us, God. And we pray that you would be our main 
focus in the battle, God, that we'd fix our eyes on you, remembering the love that you have for us, God, and living out of the power of that love. So would you bless and seal us with your love? In Jesus' name, everyone prayed. Amen. Amen. So what I'm going to ask you to do is if you haven't finished, I'm going to ask you to pause uh, when we close up. If you want to write more, that's great. Um, but we're actually going to collect them where the cookies are. So you, whenever you're done, you can bring them. And it's like uh, your little reflection for a cookie, an equal exchange. Um, but before we go, what I want to do is I'd love, I'd love for us all to stand up. And I just want to pray the armor over you. And I want to equip you to go out into the world and be agents of love and to be in the battle with Jesus. So as I pray this over you, if you want to put it on yourself, if you want to visualize it on yourself, however you want to do this, I just want to cement this over us as a community that we would be the beloved children of God, loving God and others well. So receive just the armor over you today uh, as a protection and as a weapon. It says this, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. O oh Lord Jesus, would you equip us for battle? We love you and we're for you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen, amen ladies. Blessings on you. Woohoo!